Thanks for tuning in and making Res Life a part of your day. Whether this is your first time listening or this is a part of your weekly rhythm, we are glad you're here. If you'd like to connect more throughout the week, check us out at reslife.org, download our app, or follow us on social media. It's time for today's message, so let's dive in. To get started today, uh, I want to start in Acts chapter 1. Right? So Jesus has risen from the dead, and he's spending 40 days with the disciples. It says, to whom he also presented himself alive after his sufferings by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Now, you, you may not have ever noticed this, especially if you look in the book of Acts. But what you will find is this, that after Jesus arose from the dead, What the disciples continually preached, right, was Jesus was victor, victor over death, victor over sin, victor over the devil, right? That was their their main message. And notice he's talking to them about things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Look, I, I know that it is possible in America to be a Christian for 50 years and never hear anything about the kingdom of God. That is not right. Right. When Jesus came, this was his message. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And literally at hand means it's here. It's now. It's available. It's for you. Right. Jesus told us, pray your kingdom come. See, so so what most of the church has done today is they don't preach the kingdom. What they preach is get to heaven, go to the kingdom. But Jesus said, pray your kingdom Come. In other words, what God is trying to do is not get you to heaven to the kingdom. He's trying to get heaven, the kingdom, into you now. Right? And there, there, there is it, it is it's totally different. It is a paradigm shift. Right? So he said, being assembled together with him, he's talking to them about the kingdom of God for 40 days. He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he says, You have heard. Of me. So Jesus tells them, hey, there's something you need to stick around for. This is important. The promise of the Father. And he said, you've heard about it and you've heard about it from me. I've told you about this promise of the Father. Now he's going to explain exactly what it is. He said, for John truly baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So the promise of the Father is not baptism in water, but it's baptism in the Holy Spirit. And then this is the eighth verse, same place. It says, but you will receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and under the ends of the earth. So he said, what's going to happen when you receive the promise of the Father? He says, you're going to receive power. Not just to be saved and go to heaven, but you're going to receive power to be a witness. Notice the difference. Jesus appears to the disciples. They're hiding. But 40 days later, when they receive the promise of the Father, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the power, Peter gets up and he starts preaching. And he says, you crucified the Lord of glory. Well, look who's talking. This is the guy that renounced Jesus three times. Something happened on the inside of him. He received power to be a witness. So we're going to talk about the promise of the Father, which Jesus said is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. 
literally everything in your Bible goes back to Genesis. So we've got to go back to Genesis for just a moment. In Genesis chapter 12, God comes to Abraham and he says to Abraham, I'll make you a great nation. He says, I'm going to bless you. And I'll make your name great and you'll be a blessing and I'll bless those who bless you, curse those who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Now, in, in uh, Abraham's mind, right, God has made a promise to him, right? And the promise is that his, his seed, his children are going to inherit the land. That's, it, that's what it is. But he doesn't have this child of promise yet, Right? So God is talking to him a couple chapters later in the 15th chapter. And, and Abraham says, look, God, I know what you said, but how do I know? How can I know for sure that I'm going to inherit, that this my seed is going to inherit this land? And God said to him, this is verse 9, Genesis 15, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a pigeon. And he brought them to him and he cut them in two down the middle, in places the pieces opposite each other. Now, when you and I read that, especially this weekend, you know, we're like, oh yeah, barbecue, let's go. <laughs> this is going to be a family reunion, right? But that is not at all what Abraham is thinking when he hears this. He knows exactly what God's doing. God is going to make a covenant with him, right? Now, most of us today enter into one covenant in our lifetime. That's the covenant of marriage. And if you aren't married, at least you've been to you've you've been to some weddings and and they'll stand. You know, the pastor's up there and he says, you know, we're gathered together here today in the presence of God and his holy angels to join in holy matrimony. This man to this woman who gives this woman to marry this man. And then we get down to promises. The vows. The promises. Right. And he makes promises to her and she makes promises to him. Right. When there is a covenant promises are made, right? So Abraham realized God's about to make a covenant with him. And these animals are cut in half. They're on altars. There is blood everywhere. All right. Now the Bible tells us what happens. It says, and it came to pass when the sun went down and it was dark that behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between the pieces. Now, Abraham is supposed to walk through these pieces, but he falls asleep. This is like you just won $100 million, and they're coming over to your house to give you the check, and you fall asleep. You don't do that. But he falls asleep, and and two entities walk through those pieces while he's sleeping. And one of them is representing Abraham. And the other one's representing God, right? And they're walking through these pieces and they are making promises. This is very important. They are making what to each other? Promises. Just like at a wedding ceremony, there are promises that are made when that covenant is entered into. They are making promises to each other, right? So a smoking oven and a burning torch that pass between the pieces And on the same day, the Lord God made a covenant with Abraham. Now, in the New Testament, it tells us more about what happened that day. In the book of Galatians, it says, Now to Abraham 
and his seed where the promise is made. They're walking through the pieces, and what are they doing? They're making promises to each other. And he does not say to seeds as of many, but as to one that is your seed. Who is it? Who is Christ? So Jesus is one of these individuals that's walking through the pieces, all right? And he's making promises, and God's making promises, all right? Who is Christ? In this I say that the law, which was 430 years later, so Moses shows up, comes down Mount Sinai 430 years later, all right? Cannot annul, does not undo the covenant that was confirmed before by God in Christ, that it should make the promise of no effect. Right? So what Moses did, did not undo what God did with Christ in Abraham's presence when Christ is representing Abraham. For the inheritance is, if the inheritance is of the law, it is no longer of promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. Okay. So they walk through the pieces and promises are made. Acts 1, verse 4. And being assembled together with him, he commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you've heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So literally... Back here in Genesis chapter 15, they're walking through the pieces and they're making promises, all right? Now, again, to Abraham, he's just thinking about the land. But God's not just thinking about the land. God's thinking about you and he's thinking about me. Because Galatians 3.29 says, if you are Christ, how I many you are? Then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise? What promise? Genesis 15, promise. You are an heir of that promise, right? So you, he said, the promise of the Father you've heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. The promise in its, in its shortest form is the promise of the Holy Spirit. Now, now, we can expand on that, but it is the promise of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Galatians 3 Verse 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it's written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. That the blessing of Abraham, where did that come back to? Genesis 15. Might come upon the Gentiles in Christ, that you might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Right? Everybody getting the picture? This, this, was, this was not some idea God came up with later. Right? This is central, central to redemption. I see it this way. It is central to the kingdom of God, right? Central to the kingdom. So Genesis 3, verse 11, the Pharisees come to John the Baptist, who's the forerunner of Jesus. And, and they say, who are you and what are you doing? He said, I indeed baptized you with water under repentance, but he who comes after me is mightier than I, whose shoe I'm not worthy to bear. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost and with fire. 
Now, he said, when the seed comes, the promises that were made are going to take place. And what's the promise? The baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to notice this. This is something that Jesus does. Who baptizes in the Holy Spirit? Jesus. You know, it's interesting to me that a lot of times we think if I had just been around with the disciples, man, when Jesus was preaching, if I could have been there when Jesus was talking and when Jesus was praying for the sick and when Jesus was delivering, man, I'd have been all in. But do you realize Jesus has a present day ministry? Jesus is not done. The Bible says he ever lives to make intercession for us. The Bible tells us that Jesus baptizes in the Holy Spirit, right? And to think that we would, oh, I would be so into it if I was there, but then we are not receiving what he has for us today. I just think that's ludicrous. If you don't receive what he has for you today, you're you're deceiving yourself to think that I would have received what he had then. Acts chapter 2. The church is born. It's the day of Pentecost. Peter is preaching. He says, repent. Let every one of you be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise. The promise of the Father. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. It is for you, for your children, and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. How many of you know we are those that were afar off? 2,000 years ago, they were looking and going, wow, they're afar off. But we're here today. And the Bible says the promise is for us. What promise? The promise of the Holy Spirit. Again, Galatians 3, 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it's written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ, that they might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now, notice what this says, that we receive the promise of the Spirit through faith, right? This is not just like automatic. This is something that you believe God for. Again, he told the disciples, you wait in Jerusalem until you receive the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard of me. Well, where did they hear it? In John, the 20th chapter, Jesus has risen from the dead He's with the disciples, and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. And he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. I want to ask you something. When Jesus said to them, receive the Holy Spirit and breathed on them, did they receive? They did. They received the Holy Spirit. But still, in Acts chapter 1, he says, now you wait in Jerusalem. You wait until you receive the promise of the Father, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And again, verse 8, what's going to happen? You will receive power. We get our word dynamite. The Greek word is dunamis. We get our word dynamite from it. You're going to receive power. After the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and under the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, whenever we talk about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, There's always somebody who says, yeah, but there's just one baptism. One baptism, the Bible says, one baptism. Let me talk to you about that. First, the Bible doesn't contradict itself, right? And in Hebrews chapter 6, it's talking about the foundational doctrines of Christ. In verse 2, this is what it says. The doctrine of baptisms, plural, right? Plural. 
And there's really three separate baptisms. All right? In 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13, for by one spirit, we're all baptized into one body. Instantly, when a person receives Jesus, the Holy Spirit takes that person and puts them, baptizes them, and puts them into the body of Christ. Right? It's not Jesus doing it, it's the Holy Spirit doing it. Right? By one spirit, we're all baptized. And when the Bible talks about one baptism, that's what it's talking about. Every single person, same baptism, the Holy Spirit takes them. But then in Matthew 28, Jesus talked about baptism in water. He, he said, you go and you preach in all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Right? So there, you're not baptized into the body of Christ. You're baptized in water. But then, again, Matthew 3, 13, John the Baptist said, He, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So those are three different baptisms. Right? The first one is by the Spirit. He takes and baptizes you into the body of Christ. Right? Uh, th there is no place biblically for Lone Ranger Christians. Right? Well, you're, you're just off on your own, doing your own thing. You know, over 30 times in the New Testament, it talks about one another, forgive one another, pray for one another, love one another, bear one another. How many of you know you can't one another alone? You just can't do it. It's, you cannot one another all by yourself. Right? So the Spirit takes you, puts you into the body of Christ. Then the church baptizes you in water. And then Jesus baptizes in the Holy Spirit. Right? So there's the Spirit, there's the church, there's Jesus. And we can say this, into one body, what the Spirit does gets you into heaven. Every person that receives Jesus is on their way to heaven. Right? In fact, the Bible says in the book of Romans that if you don't have the Spirit of Christ, you're none of His. Right? Every believer has the Holy Spirit on the inside of them. But let me just explain it kind of like this. There is a difference between having a glass of water and going swimming. Right? When you get saved, it's like you get a glass of water. But Jesus wants to immerse. Literally, the word baptize means to immerse. Right? Immerse you in the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit baptizes us into the body of Christ. That gets us into heaven. Water baptism takes place, and it's really a deliverance from the world. It's recognizing I'm separated from the world. My old man is dead. Right? But then the Spirit, we are baptized by Jesus into the Holy Spirit, and it empowers us to be a witness or to demonstrate Jesus' victory in the kingdom of God. So let's take a look at a couple examples in your Bible, Acts chapter 8. The Bible says in verse 5 that Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. Uh, there's a persecution in Jerusalem, and the, the, the believers are leaving. Right? Philip, who's one of the deacons of the church, goes down to Samaria, right? and he's preaching Christ. And the people with one accord give heed unto the things which Philip spoke, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits cried out with a loud voice. Many came, came out of many who were possessed with them, and many of them were taken with the palsy, and that were lame were healed. There was great joy in that city. Verse 12. But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God. What did Philip preach on? Kingdom of God. In the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Right? So Philip's preaching. 
They believe and they get water baptized. Jesus said, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. So they're saved. Let's look at this 14th verse. Now, when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they came down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For he had not yet fallen upon any or none of them. Were they believers? But had the Holy Spirit, had they received the baptism in the Holy Spirit? No. But they were believers. They were baptized. In fact, when the apostles, Jesus 12 original, hear about it in Jerusalem, they immediately send someone to pray for them that they might receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. They did not expect that the baptism in the Holy Spirit would be automatic, which so often we expect it to be. Right? So, for the Holy, for he had yet fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. They laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, it is possible to receive the Holy Spirit without laying on of hands, right? But if you look in the New Testament, almost every time, that's how it's the Holy Spirit is received, through the laying on of hands. In Luke, the 11th chapter, it says, Jesus said to them, he said, seek and you'll find, knock and it'll be open. To everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, find. And to him who knocks, it will be open. And if a son shall ask bread of any of you that is the father, will he give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who... Ask, ask. You see, we are to ask. And so often what people do is they pray for the Holy Spirit to come, but then their instructions are, sit in the back, be quiet, behave yourself. Right? But how many know the Holy Spirit did not come to sit in the back, be quiet, and behave himself? He came to take over. Right? That's what he came for. You will receive power after the Holy Spirit is come upon you. Now, notice in Samaria, they received the baptism, in, they received uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit after they had been baptized in water and after they had believed. In Acts 2, again, Peter said, Repent, let every one of you be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the mission of sin, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the promise is to you and to your children. In Acts 19, Paul comes to the upper coast of Ephesus, right? And uh, he finds certain disciples. And he said to them, have ye received the Holy Ghost since you believed? That's a great question. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? Because when you believe, you automatically receive the Holy Spirit. It's automatic, right? He takes you. He puts you into the body of Christ. And again, Romans said, if you don't have the spirit of Christ, you are none of his, right? Every believer has it, but have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And they said, we haven't even so much as heard that there is a Holy Spirit. When I first read that, I thought, you went to my church. Because the church I was brought up in, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit, except that we repeated the Apostles' Creed. And it said there was a Holy Spirit. So we knew he was somewhere. 
but we didn't know anything about it. And we weren't receiving him. All right. He said, well, how are you baptized? Of course, when you're baptized, you should hear there's a Holy Spirit, right? Because you're baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So he tells them, look, this is, this is, this is what happened. John talked about Jesus coming. Now he's come. Right? The Bible says then they're baptized. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and they prophesied. Right? So, again, it was subsequent to salvation. They believed, they're baptized, hands are laid on them and they receive. And so often today, we just simply assume I got everything there was to have. I got saved. I got it all. But my question would be, Paul's question, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believe? And what, how, how are we going to know? Well, the Bible, Jesus said, you'll have power. You will have power. And Jesus is the head of the church. And this is part of his present day ministry. This is what Jesus wants for you. Right? And, and I'm going to tell you, this is what I want for you. And you say, Why? Because having the baptism in the Holy Ghost in your life will make all the difference in the world, right? All the difference. Jesus said, that's when the power comes, right? You will receive power. You know, we often quote the verse in Ephesians 3.20, which says, he is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ever ask or think. And we quit. But this is what it, the rest of the verse, according to the power that's at work in us. It's according to the power. Jesus said, when does that power come? With the Holy Spirit. That's when that power comes. Now, listen, it's not your power. It's his power. All right. But where is it? It's in working in you. That's where it's at. It's working in you. All right. Now, it's his power. It's not your power. Well, somebody says, well, you know, you'll, you can't do anything without him. Absolutely. But how many of you know you're never without him? He said, he'll never leave you. He will never forsake you. So let me close with a story. In 1980, Jeannie and I are living in Mexico. We're living in kind of an Indian village, Indian center with the Otomi Indians. And I get an invitation to preach in a church about 80 miles away in Tepeapulco, Hidalgo. This church is not very far from the, the Aztec pyramids. Right? In this church... I kid you not. Uh, it was the most Pentecostal church I've ever been to in my whole life. First of all, you know, Merle, wave at everybody. Merle's been there. Okay. Last time I was there, the church was painted purple with white tongues of fire all the way around the top. All right. So I get invited to go Pentecost Sunday morning, and I'm going to do what they call the upper room service. All right. So we're going to be praying for people to see the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I get there early. Pastor Samuel lives right next door. You know, I'm over there talking with Pastor Samuel and we get into the service. It's already started. All right. And the church is packed. But I got to tell you about this church. Remember, I told you this was a Pentecostal church. OK, so all there's there's one aisle right down the middle and an aisle on each side and pews, of course, in between. So one side is for women and the other side is for men. And men cannot sit on the women's side. And women cannot sit on the men's side. Right? On top of that, all the ladies have to have a head covering on. Right? They have to have something over their head. Now, the Bible says your hair is given to you as your covering. Right? But they wanted your hair and a piece of cloth. Right? And sign 
on the outside of the church says no women allowed in pants, right? Now, remember, this is 1980, and this is rural, rural Mexico, and it was like pretty risque for a lady to wear pants, okay? So services started, worship services on, pastor and I come in, we're sitting up on the platform, some of the elders are up on the platform, I mean, it, it, you can just sense the, the presence of God. What I did not know when I got there was that the whole church had been fasting and praying for three days for a move of God. I did not know that, right? But I'm on the platform, and, and I, there's, there's just one set of doors in the back, right? And, and I see a man come through those doors, and about 15 feet behind that man, there is a woman coming in, right? Now, this is this, and immediately when I saw her, I knew she was a center woman. You say, how do I know that? She had pants on. <laughs> of course I knew. I knew right away she didn't have pants on. She didn't have a head covering on. All right? And that man walked about halfway down and squeezed in on the men's side. And she squeezed in right next to him. She's sitting on the wrong side. You know she doesn't know what's going on. All right? But I mean, she sits down. And it is not 30 seconds and she is absolutely bawling. She senses the Spirit of God. Now, this is what she told me afterwards, later that afternoon. She said, I'm a hairdresser. She says, and I was on my way to work. She says, I was at the bus stop. And he, she says, I don't know what happened. She says, I just started to cry. And I said, God, I'm a mess. My family's a mess. And I do not know what to do. Help me. Help me. And she says, she looks over, man standing next to her has a black book. And on the, uh, what do you call that part of that book? It says, uh, Santa Biblia. It says, Holy Bible. And she just said, God, I don't know where he's going, but I'm going with him. So she just, the bus came by for to take her to work. She just let it go. He, he, he waits, another bus comes by, he waves it down. He hops on, she hops on, sits right next to him. They go eight, 10 blocks. He pulls that cord, bus stops at the next corner. He gets off, she gets off. He walks about a block, turns left. I saw him come through the back door. I saw her following him, right? Sit on the men's side. No head covering on, pants. Terrible center woman, you know. <laughs> so I get up and I preach, all right? And uh, they were expecting a, a pretty good s sermon because, you know, you, they just had one service, and it was packed. And so I preached probably an hour and a half. Okay? And then I'm supposed to pray for people to receive the promise of the Father, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And again, this is the Pentecostal church. So I said, I said, now, if you would like to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, would you please come forward? Now, honestly, I thought if we get eight people, it's going to be like a landslide. All right? And I kid you not. It, it was like I said that, and instantly it was like people flew. I mean, it was just woof. The altar is packed. There, there's 120, 150 people up there. And I'm like, holy moly, you know. But that center woman came up. She's right in front of me. Right? Now, listen, you cannot receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit if you're not saved. You say, what will happen? You'll blow up. Something will happen. I mean, you just can't receive the Holy Spirit if you're not a Christian. All right? So there she is, and I, I, I remember, I know where she, she's got pants on. She's got no head covering. She sits on the wrong side. She can't be safe. So I thought, what should I do? I thought, well, I'll just, I know what I'll do. 
So crafty thought I am, see. I lead everybody in the sinner's prayer. And then I lead them in a prayer to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Right? And then I'm going to start praying for people. So I go down over here on the lady's side. You say, why did you do that? Well, because typically women are more spiritual than men. Right? And they receive easier than men. Typically. Not always, but typically. So I thought I'll start on the easy side. My mama didn't raise no fool. <laughs> so I go to the first lady and I said, I'm going to lay hands on you. Know, I lead them on. They've all been, we've, we've led them in this prayer to receive the Holy Spirit. And I said, I'm going to lay hands on you. And when I do, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. And if you sense something on the inside, you just begin to speak those words out. So I, lay, I just said, receive the Holy Spirit. I lay hands on her. Instantly, her hand shot up in the air like this. She starts praying in tongues as loud as she could. Right? Now I'm, listen, I'm not telling you to do this. In fact, this was not in order. Right? The Bible says to do everything you know, in order. This was not. All right? When she did that, every other, it seemed like every single other adult in that congregation jumped to their feet, threw their hands in the air, and they all started praying in tongues at one time. All right? It sounded literally like Niagara Falls. Right? So I go to the next person. And I go, I'm going to lay hands on you. You say, why do you do that? Because they couldn't hear otherwise. We've got Niagara Falls. All right. I lay hands on her. I, go, I don't know, six, eight people, however many people. Now, I've been preaching for a while. All right. And now I'm screaming for a while. So I thought, I know up in that podium, there's a glass of water. Okay. So I come on up to get that glass of water. And when I do, one of the elders sees me and he comes running up on the platform. And he said to me, he says, I'm praying for people. They're receiving the Holy Spirit. I said, good, go back down there, pray for some more. And, and he said to me, he said, Pastor, you do not understand. He said, I have been seeking the Holy Spirit for 30 years. And I've never received the Holy Spirit. And I've never spoken in tongues. And I, I thought instantly about what John the Baptist said. He said that he, Jesus, will baptize with the Holy Spirit. It wasn't this guy. It was Jesus. Doesn't matter who lays hands on you. Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. All right? But I knew what his problem was immediately. He was trying to be good enough, holy enough, sanctified enough to earn the Holy Spirit. But Jesus had the gift of the Holy Spirit. The gift. How many of you know you didn't clean yourself up and receive Jesus? Salvation was a gift. It wasn't because of how good you were. It was in spite of how bad you were. Right? And the baptism in the Holy Spirit is a gift. It's not something you get so holy and then you earn. No, 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 no. In fact, you can be very messed up and baptized in the Holy Ghost. You say, where is that in the Bible? First Corinthians. How many know they, were, they had a mess? And he says, you come behind in no gift. Right? So it's not a sign of spirituality. It's a sign that you've received by faith and God has empowered you to be a witness, to demonstrate the kingdom of God. So I said to him, I said, I've got a word for you. Now, in his mind, when I said that, he thought like God spoke to me. Well, he did, but he used the Bible. My word was Luke chapter 11, where Jesus said, everyone that asks receives. I said, you're going to ask God to baptize you in the Holy Spirit and you're going to receive right now. And when I said that to him, his face just lit up. And he said, really? I said, yes. He said, all right. Right? 
So I just lead him in a short prayer to receive the Holy Spirit. And I was going to, I really was going to lay hands on him. I didn't even get a chance. All right. Both hands shoot up. He starts praying in other tongues. All right. Now, you haven't forgot the woman in pants, have you? All right. So she's down here. She's right in the front. All right. We go by, pray for her. Now, she's been saved four minutes. All right. And she receives the Holy Spirit and begins to speak in tongues. My friend, he'd been saved over 30 years. But you know what? She understood. I'm not being baptized in the Holy Spirit because of how spiritual I've been. It's a gift. All right. My friend over here, as long as he was trying to earn the Holy Spirit, right, did not. But once he received the Holy Spirit as a gift, he received. And uh, I-, I want you to realize it's not because of how spiritual you have been. Right? Not because you're perfect. It is the gift, the promise of the Father, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, you will receive power. Dunamis. Dynamite power. Again, Ephesians 3.20 says he can do above all we can ever ask or think according to the power that's at work in us. It's not your power. It's his power. All right. But where is it? It's in us. You will receive power. Power to be a witness. Power to demonstrate the kingdom of God. All right. Would everybody please stand? Now, if you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I I would like to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you may have been prayed for before. And you say, you know, I've never had a release in my prayer language. If if that's you, I want to invite you also to come forward. But if you'd like to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, uh, we want to pray a prayer. And I'm simply going to come by and just lay hands on you. Simply say, receive the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus came to his disciples and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. He blew on them. They received. They received. Now, I want to say this too, that the baptism of the Holy Spirit should not be just a one-time experience. You know, the Bible tells us in the book of Ephesians, it says to be being filled. Right? There is an original or a a. a a one-time filling, but that's not the last time, all right? We keep on receiving. Now, if you'd like to receive, would you please just slip out of your seat? Come on down here. Uh, don't tell me there's, there's nobody. I know there's a bunch. We had a lot of people come forward in the first service. If that's you, say, I want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I want what Jesus has for me. I want the promise that God made way back to Jesus in Genesis chapter 15. I want that in my life. I want the power. I want everything that Jesus has for me. I want that in my life. If that's you, please come on up and we're going to simply pray a prayer together to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And then I'm just going to come by. I'm just going to simply lay hands on you and say, receive the Holy Spirit. Very similar to what they did in the book of Acts, right? And the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. And if you sense something on the inside, you might send some word. Just begin to give them voice. Give them voice. Um, we'll, we'll talk a lot more about that next week. But uh, I just want you to know that when you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, there is the ability there to speak with tongues. 
Now the Bible says they were filled and they began to speak. So often we're waiting for God to speak, but the Bible says they began to speak and the Spirit gave them utterance. As you begin to speak, the Spirit of the Lord gives us the utterance. So I'm going to ask everybody to extend your hand, but if you come forward, I want you to lift your hands up. And I want you to repeat this prayer from your heart. Just say, oh God, you tell us in your word that the Holy Spirit is a good gift. That this is your will for every one of us. That Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. And I ask you now to baptize me, to fill me with the Holy Spirit. And I thank you that his hands are laid on me. I will receive power to be a witness to you. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information, if you're in need of prayer or just want to connect with the community, go to reslife.org, follow us on social media, or email us anytime at reslife at reslife.org. We hope you have a blessed day and we will see you again soon.